There we go. That will be helpful for the broadcast, I would assume. <laughs> uh, so I want to begin with asking you a simple yet profound question. What does Jesus want you to do with your life? What does Jesus want you to do with your life? John Piper wrote a book, uh, and you might be familiar, called Don't Waste Your Life. And oftentimes uh, we use it with college students or maybe even high school grads. But, um, and so you might be saying, well, aren't we a little bit old to be asking this question? But I'd say, no, not really, not really. In fact, uh, you know, I think we have to ask this question several times throughout our lives and really listen for the Lord to give us some answers. In fact, that was one of the reasons I was taking a two-day silent retreat because guys like me who like to talk a lot oftentimes don't take enough time to listen to what the Lord uh, has to say to us. So I think, you know, when you're graduating high school and graduating college, certainly those are times when you ought to be asking, you know, what does God, what does Jesus want me to do with my life? But I also think that, you know, as you go throughout your career, there ought to be times in your career where you might ask that question again. What does Jesus really want me to do with my life? And uh, I've been asking it because at this time, because I've retired from one particular part of my career and going into a new phase in my career, if you will, and so I've been asking, you know, Jesus, what do you, what do you want me to do with my life? Um, now, you know, I think there are times even when we get uh, caught up in the humdrum of life and uh, we can get a, even a bit depressed and wondering, you know, what am I really, what is Jesus going to do with me? And so I want us to look at these two passages this afternoon and... Um, you know, after, after I got here and saw the Christmas trees up and we started singing all the Thanksgiving songs and that sort of thing, I wasn't sure if this was exactly a Thanksgiving message. But as I think about us getting together with people that oftentimes we maybe don't see very often, I would say maybe I, I think God can use this in our lives even this very week. So... Um, uh, we're going to be looking uh, at uh, these two passages this afternoon. Uh, they're reasonably short. Uh, both are from what's called Jesus's upper room discourse. And of course, the upper room discourse happened in that upper room, at, you know, around the Lord's Supper. Uh, these actually happened after he had already um, washed the feet of the disciples. And, uh, you know, they were getting ready for, for that supper. And so these are, you know, these are very much, uh, you know, if, if, if people have fairly, you know, last statements, these are a part of Jesus's last statements, really. I mean, uh, the whole upper room discourses, and not that anything that Jesus, is, Jesus said throughout his ministry was unimportant, but I think as we get closer and closer to the end of someone's earthly life, they probably are saying things that they know are going to be very, very important for their followers uh, after they're gone. So uh, with that, let's turn, if you'll turn with me, to uh, John chapter 13. 
Uh, I've got a couple of verses in 13, 13, 34, and 35. And then you might put your finger over in John chapter 15, uh, verses 12 through 17. So uh, this is God's word. <clears throat> a new commandment I give to you that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And then uh, in chapter 15, beginning at verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another, just as I have loved you, greater love uh, has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. This I command you, that you love one another. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we give you thanks and praise for these words that are recorded by the Apostle John from that upper room that night before Jesus would go to the cross. And so we know, Lord, that uh, all things that Jesus said on, here on this earth, he didn't waste words, um, but uh, these are probably of some even more significant importance uh, to us because they were very close to Jesus's uh, earthly death here and before he rose from the grave and so thank you Jesus for these words and thank you Lord for uh, giving them to us and we pray that you're the same spirit that inspired John would inspire and infill our hearts and my words so that we would not only hear your word but we would go out of this place being doers of your word this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I think most all of us here call ourselves followers of Jesus. And Jesus make it, makes it clear to his followers that he has some particular commands, doesn't he? Uh, Jesus uh, doesn't ask us. He doesn't suggest that maybe we ought to consider these things. No, he goes full bore and he says, he commands us, and he said it more than once in these particular passages, commands us to love one another. In fact, there in verse, uh, in chapter 13, 34, he says, a new commandment that I give to you that you love one another. And of course, that's, you know, I don't know if you all have Monday, Thursday services, but that word Monday means a new commandment I give you. That's why we have those services on uh, the night before Good Friday. 
Uh, and then uh, there in chapter 15, 12, he says, this is my commandment that you love one another. And then in 17, this, is, this I command you that you love one another. It's written in the imperative. He's ordering, he's commanding his followers to love one another in tangible ways. In tangible ways, okay? So you think about uh, the things that uh, people need to do, but they don't want to do. And sometimes those are the things that God is asking us to do for one another in love. Now, I, as I say, I was uh, writing this a lot while I was on this silent retreat. And so I was going through a lot of the scriptures to see where it says that we ought to love one another. And, you know, the apostles picked up on this very quickly, didn't they? I mean, the apostle Peter picks up on Jesus' command and he said to love one another. He wrote in his first epistle, and, and remember Peter's first epistle was to people that were having a very difficult time. They were being persecuted and scattered all over the world. And he writes to them, it says, obey the truth so that you have, will have some, some sincere, sorry, sincere love for one another. Love one another deeply from the heart. Later he writes, finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, and love one another, be compassionate and humble. Now, Peter's not the only one. John, the Apostle John, picks up, he says, he too uh, picks up on Jesus' command in his first epistle. He says, for this is the message we have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. And this is, uh, and, and then he says, uh, and this is God's command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Then he later on says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Now, it wasn't just the guys that were up there in that upper room either that, that picked up on Jesus' command, is it? I mean, Paul writes uh, in lots of places. Now, he wasn't physically there uh, in that upper room, was he? But G he says the, these things about Jesus' commands. To the Romans, he said, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. And these things don't come to us naturally, do they? Paul writes again to the Romans, he says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continued debt to love one another, for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. It wasn't just to the Roman church, it was to the Galatians too. Paul wrote, you my brothers and sisters were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Serve one another humbly in love. Then to the Ephesians, he says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And that tells me that, you know, there are going to be times when 
you know, and we all have this in our circles and in, 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 in churches typically, there's, there are people that aren't as easy for us to love than others. And so he's saying bearing with one another in love. Finally, to the Thessalonians, Paul writes, now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And finally, he, he ought to, we ought to always thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is uh, growing more and more, and the love that all of you have for one another is increasing. So I recite all of these to you because I want us to be reminded of how incredibly important this is for us to make loving one another in tangible ways, in tangible ways, you know, not just, we, we can't just sort of say, well, I love these folks in my head, <laughs> and I love them in my heart. <laughs> you know, that's kind of like the James passage where he says, go and be warmed and be fed, you know, <laughs> while the guy is, you know, outside in the cold, you know. So I believe there's, if there's any lack of love in you, in, you know, I'm not saying that that, that uh, I'm preaching this because I think there's a lack of love in this congregation because I have to say, I have, uh, you've encouraged me in many, many ways uh, to love uh, folks. And uh, I have to tell you, there's a, a story of a man, uh, this is while I was still in Chicago, who took Peter's admonition. You know, Peter said, greet one another with a kiss of love, all right? Well, I was a seminary student and a group of us signed up to be a John Guest evangelistic crusade uh, counselors. And so we went down to a church that I'd never been to before. It was on the North Shore of Chicago, pretty nice area, really. And there was a man at the door, or, you know, the inside door, and he was, you know, probably a man in his late 50s, maybe early 60s, and had a nicely tailored business suit on and what have you. You know, looked like a businessman of some sort there. And um, he would, and as we came in, he'd shake our hand and then he kissed us on the cheek. <laughs> and I'd never seen this man before in my life. So we, we got there, you know, so he was taking Peter's you know, thing, greet one another with a kiss of love, literally, you know. And so we got there early enough that I decided I would station myself kind of right across the room to watch the expression on people's faces when he did this to them. And I mean, men, women, everybody, everybody got a kiss on the cheek from this guy. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever, you know, now overseas, you know, sometimes there's a, there's a in fact, the, the Turks, they actually, they don't kiss on the cheek anymore, or at least not in the cities. They, they kind of blow a kiss. They, they, they sort of bring their face to you. I don't know that they're doing this during COVID, probably not. But they, they kind of put cheek to cheek and then they, they kind of blow a kiss. They're not really kissing you and then they do it on the other cheek, you know. But here in America, that's I, I, the only time that I had ever been greeted in that way. And it was comical to watch the <laughs> looks on people's faces both especially the men but men and women kind of looking like i don't know this guy from adam what's he doing kissing me on the cheek 
So anyway, uh, but G Jesus does command us and the disciples reiterated that his commands to the early church. And so, you know, as we get together this week, you know, uh, I think we ought to think about how can we how can we really follow these commands? I mean, what kind of love is Jesus speaking of here in the upper room? Look at verse 13 of chapter 15 of John there. Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Now, I don't know about you, but that challenges me. That challenges me because, you know, he's talking about here a self-sacrificing kind of love. You know, this is putting others ahead of ourselves. The scripture passage in the second chapter of the book of Philippians that Paul writes where he says, you know, have this attitude in you that is in Christ Jesus that puts others ahead of yourself has always been one that's been challenging to me. Um, so what do we do to love in this self-sacrificing manner? Well, I would tell you the first thing we need to do is pray. I know that's what I have to do because I can't come up with laying down my life for others on my own. I, 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 maybe some of you can, but that doesn't come to me naturally. And so I have to pray and I have to ask God first would you just give me a love for these people around me that I would be willing to lay down my life for them? Um, and, and, you know, I have to say, um, I have seen this in action. In fact, let me just say, in our congregation, there was a man, um, kind of a plain old farmer from around the Adrian area, and uh, his name is Mike also. Uh, he... he uh, found out that there was a man that lived down the road from him uh, who desperately needed a kidney. Now, Mike was no relation whatsoever to this man. And really, this man had moved into the area. Mike and his family had been in the area for years and years and years. In fact, uh, one of the roads in that area, his name, his last name is, is the same name as the road because back in the, and I said, Mike, how did, how did how did this road get named after you? And he said, well, if, he said, my grandfather owned enough property along that area, and if, when they were bringing electric through the area in the 1920s and 30s, he said, if, you know, you owned enough property, they would name the road after you when they were, you know, bringing the electric through. So, anyway, Mike's been there a long, long time, and uh, found out that this man who had kind of moved in fairly recently compared to Mike, desperately needed this kidney and there were no matches in this man's family so mike is praying about it thinking about it and says i'll go get tested and finds out that he's a perfect match for this man and this man mike my our friend the man at our church uh, went and had gave this man whom he really didn't know that well uh, his kidney and it and it saved the man's life now I will tell you that struck me as a guy who was willing to love somebody uh, in a way that was really kind of laying down he certainly laid down his kidney and and it could have laid down his life for him finally the third question for today though is what are the results of this kind of love so 
So if we really do pray and we say, okay, Lord, help me to love the people around me. Maybe, maybe at your Thanksgiving gathering, maybe you can right now think about people that are going to gather and you might think, you know, there's some, there's some folks in my immediate family. I can think of one or two <laughs> that are a little bit harder to love than others. Uh, most of your families have somebody like that, you know. And, uh, you know, let's think about these. And I'm, I'm preaching this for myself, too, that I will think about those folks this week and I will begin to pray and ask God to help me to love them in tangible ways, even when I see them on Thursday, on Thanksgiving. So finally, the third, now this isn't just for Thanksgiving, this is for all of time, but, but it'll be one way that you can apply it this week. So finally, this third question is, what are the results of this kind of love? Look at uh, 13, uh, verse 35. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So let me just say now, I appreciate how incredibly precise you guys are in your theology. But let me just say that it's not our perfect theology that wins people to Christ. They're not going to necessarily... Now, good theology, I'm not preaching against good theology, okay? Not at all. But it's not our, you know, they're not going to know we're Jesus' disciples because of our perfect theology. They're not going to know that we're Jesus' disciples by our spellbound preaching because I'm not spellbinding you right now, am I? <laughs> Or, or by wonderful worship, is, although I have to tell you, I'm always blessed by the worship here and the singing, which is, which is always robust, all right? But those kinds of things are not necessarily going to show people that we are Jesus' disciples. It's not beautiful cathedrals and not mega church auditoriums, none of those things. You know, the worship space is important. It's, this is a nice comfortable worship space, isn't it? No, it's by the way that we will tangibly lay down our lives and love people. As people see real love in our hearts, first for one another here in this place, but also out in the world, as they see that, that is when they'll know we're his disciples. Then we can help them with their theology and worship and on and on. Now, let me just say, I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go from preaching here to meddling. <laughs> uh, you, as, you as a church are on the precipice of a new era here in, uh, at Stonebridge Church. I mean, you voted to call Taylor Wright as your pastor, haven't you? And uh, he and his family are going to be moving to this area soon. And, and I just want to encourage you, I want to, I can't command you like Jesus can, but <laughs> I want to encourage you um, that you would pray, that you would ask God how you can show in creative ways, even from the very beginning, creative ways, how you can love both Taylor, but also his whole family, the right family as they move in here. Uh, what are some creative ways that, and, and, and tangible ways 
that you can really love them so that when they come and they're a part, they, they're, they're enfolded in very, very quickly. Um, I understand he has some young kids, so there will be some ways that you can love them in that way, too. So let's, why not make uh, uh, 2022 a new or a renewed season of love uh, in this congregation? Um, I mean, and, and again, I'm not preaching this to you because you've not shown love in the past, but we can always renew our love and, 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 and again, and, 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 you know, begin to really express it in, in tangible ways to, to the right family, to one another, to your neighbors, um, all kinds of ways that uh, you can do this so that people will know that you are Christians by your love for one another. A love that lays down your life for those around you. That's the kind of radical love that we're called to, and that's what makes us different than the rest of the world, because we, we march to the drumbeat of Jesus, not what the world says, but to the drumbeat of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you that uh, that night before Jesus was betrayed, he, he repeated himself um, and, and was unequivocal in his commands to, for us to love one another. And uh, Lord, he knew all the things that those first disciples would go through, the persecution and what the early church would experience, and he knew what we would experience here in 2021. And so, <clears throat> Lord, those commands are still as vibrant and as active and as, uh, uh, as, as they were when Jesus spoke them some 2,000 years ago. And so we, we thank you, Lord, that you don't leave us alone to sort of work up this love, that you have put your spirit in our hearts and your spirit inspires us. And so, Lord, make us people who pray and ask you to empower us, to give us those creative ways that we can love one another. And we, we pray for the right family as they prepare to come here. And we pray, Lord, that you would just be working in all of us to know how we can best uniquely welcome them and make them uh, know that they are loved in this community. We pray this in the matchless name of Jesus. And the people of God said together, Amen. Amen.